question for you there, second-rate first mate John. Yes. Uh, rhetorically, can an artist be both obscure and prolific at the same time? Sure. Yeah. I mean, prolific means that they put out a lot of material, in my mind. They, they right. write a lot and do a lot. Sure. So they can still be obscure. Yeah. I think a lot of the yacht rockers are sort of by definition. They're all prolific. I think both, yeah. yeah. Many of them are obscure. Not all of them, but many, many are. Yeah. Well, there's one in particular I thought we would do a deeper dive in. Uh, this came to us by way of listener Dave last year, mid-season. Wow. Um, and I've always had it in the back of my mind. I'll, I'll read his note. Uh, okay. Well, first he just suggested, hey, you know, he was just discovering uh, Greg Guidry and wanted us to do a whole episode on him um, in particular because he thought it was interesting that there was a Michael McDonald connection. Yep. And then they said, uh, so he followed up and said, oh, do you, do you hear about how he died? It's kind of, uh, you guys could do like a 48 hours dateline uh, uh, <laughs> episode on, because there's kind of this tragic and maybe in some ways mysterious ending to the story. Uh, but I don't think we're in, uh, of the, uh, what, the skill set to do a true crime podcast, but. No, and I'm not even sure if I have the music in my library that I could uh, use. So <laughs> without that, how I'm can sure- you do a possible, uh, you know, a 2020 or a Dateline thing without spooky music? Yeah, I bet you could find something royalty free. Um, oh, yeah. You got to have the pompous hosts, though, too. You know, we're not pompous enough. Really? Right. Well, okay. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> okay. Well, so. How much did you know about Greg Guidry before you got into Yacht Rock, say, three, four, or five years ago? That I was aware of? Zero. Once yeah. I got in, there was that one song going down that uh, once I heard it, I remember it from but back in the day. Re- but, okay. Yeah. But I could never have come up with the name Greg Guidry. And if you had said the name Greg Guidry, I never could have come up with that song. So I never would have even put the two together. So the honest answer would be actually zero probably at that time. Same here. And then as I got into uh, Yacht Rock, a little bit more than just the surface level stuff, the name obviously comes up, but I'm, you know, for the longest time I thought, oh, he's one of those sort of obscure artists that maybe had a hit and he tried to do a follow up and never went anywhere. And that's the extent to which I knew Craig Guidry for. That is what it looks like until you dig a little deeper. Yeah. So I thought it would be interesting for those, you know, for whom Craig Guidry is a household name, they might appreciate us covering this territory. But for those, for whom he isn't, I think the story is sort of interesting because it starts with a childhood musician who was friends, apparently, with Michael McDonald. In a band together in high school. Yeah. According so he, to what I read, and that, I would wonder what that would have looked like. Yeah. So he was obviously uh, fated to be you know, having a yachty future for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but we'll cover some of this stuff in detail. But as it turns out, he ends up being a prolific songwriter for some of our Yacht Rock favorites. For sure. Um, He's got this huge catalog, most of which never saw light of day until years and years and years later. Yeah. And the stuff that did come out later, I know there was a release of some, there was a release that was specifically said it was demos and things, but there was another album has heart to heart on it. Uh, even that one sounds like what we're getting is something that wasn't finished from a mix standpoint. It feels like we're getting the rough mixes prior to mix. When I listened to that and then went right back to the Over the Line album, there was a huge difference in just how the sonics are refined. So I'm not even sure that that album feels like it was done to me, the second one. No, and I don't think that was actually done as an album the more I dug into it. I think that's another compilation of sort of found 
material, stuff that um, he was working, I think that maybe after the label dropped him, because if you go through that as an album, you'll note, and maybe we'll, we'll point this out when we get into it, but you'll note the sonic difference between like the Heart to Heart song, which right. to me sounds like, uh, I think that one's got Hungate on bass, but it sounds sort of to me like Michael Franks in its production quality. You know, we always talk, he's a little bit harsher, mm-hmm. not, not completely smooth. And then you get to a later song, like five or six in, and then it's like, it completely feels like something off of his first album. So that's kind of what led me to, I'm discovering this guy's vast, vast catalog, um, which how do you have that much staying power when you don't have a label anymore and you don't have a record out? And we were talking three different compilations of demo type stuff that just sat there forever and ever. Yeah. I'm not even sure where to begin. I mean, it feels like we're just, continuing to sort of set the scene. We probably ought to dig into something a little bit. So let me just give a little bit of the history of what we know. I know that there's probably people out there that have prior knowledge that could maybe enlighten us, and I'd be happy to have them on our Facebook page or wherever they would like to email. But it seems like there's very little to find about him online. And when you start digging around, you find what would appear to be a copy and paste of the same text over and over again, right? Yeah. So uh, we know that he was born in St. Louis, um, piano player as a kid, uh, gospel singer, you know. Uh, We mentioned that he was in a band as a teenager with Michael McDonald. Uh, He had a publishing contract, so that would be signing as a songwriter for CBS Records. Uh, He signed that in 1977, Uh, We can cover some of the songs that he wrote, but some of the artists, Climax Blues Band, Robbie Dupree, Exile, Sawyer Brown, Reba McIntyre, tracked his tunes. He was a backing vocalist at one time for the Allman Brothers in 1981, their Brothers of the Road album. And then he was able to sign a actual recording contract with Columbia. And then in 1982, that's when he released Over the Line, which would be his main album that had two singles released going down, which is the one that I remember went to uh, number 17 billboard uh, number 11 on the adult contemporary chart. And then a song called into my love, which I don't remember. That's a duet actually with his sister. And that only went to number 92 on billboard. So that's sort of the, the basic groundwork of what we know. And everybody seems to know about him. Yeah, uh, a couple things to come back to. One is you said, mentioned his sister, Sandy. Um, put a pin in that because there's a lot of Gidrys out there with whom he collaborated, um, Sandy being one of them. For those who don't know and have never heard, why don't we give people a taste for what um, the Greg Gidry sound is? Let's hear a little of his hit, the hit, Going Down. And I'm That is a very highly rated song on the Yatsky scale. Well, I would consider 76.25 very high. Anything above 75, certainly. So, as we said, that did go to number 17 on the Billboard Hot 100. So, uh, I, I do hear Michael McDonald in the choruses. I don't know if that is really him or does Greg sing like him. The I actually went out, bought the vinyl, 
Mm. Uh, probably maybe as much as a year ago, kind of back when we were first turned on to this. And interestingly, I didn't even realize it until I pulled it out the other day that it's a uh, radio station promo. So that's even better. Oh, cool. But there's very little crediting on the record in terms of who played on what song. And it's difficult to find that. It did not have a sleeve inside that had any accreditation. I was just a plain white sleeve. So there's just uh, still not a lot to go on for someone like us. that's trying to dig below the surface. Exactly. Um, would you put him sonically? Here's where I put him in uh, just kind of categorically within the yacht rock, sort of the Chris, Chris Christian. Yes. Vibe, right? Yes. I put it on the, I, I made a note that said the rock inside of the boat, but more the soft rock side. So I don't hear much in the way of R&B or jazzy influences. I hear some interesting chord progressions, but none of it feels like R&B or jazz. So Chris Christian would be a good comparative. Dane Donahue is a good comparative, mm-hmm. I would say. Robbie Dupree, which will come up. Uh, I would put them all in that area. So I do find, <clears throat> I was going to ask you about the vinyl because I thought you had it. Yep. Does the sleeve mention in totality dis- musicians on the album? Because I got something from Discogs, um, but I don't know if that's on the record. Yeah, it's listed on the back, but it doesn't have a song by song. Okay, so listen to, for some of the names that you're going to recognize, and then a few that you won't, but um, a last name that will come up quite a bit. So here's who I have. Okay. Uh, Greg Guidry. Refer to him. Sandy Guidry, who we just yep. mentioned. Kathy Guidry, which I think was his wife. Oh. Um, Mark Hammond. David Hungate is yep. on bass. Um, Dan Huff is featured a lot on this album. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote that even if all you did was listen to the guitar solos on this record, it's worth the price of admission. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some wire choir. It's like everything yeah. you want and would expect from Dan Huff is on and this And a Yacht Rock guitarist, everything is there because even the palm muting is great. Yep, absolutely. David Sanborn's on this record. Mm. Yep. And then do you know anything about the Muscle Shoals horns? Well, I know a bit about the whole Muscle Shoals thing. That is a sort of southeastern, uh, where are they, out of Georgia, Atlanta maybe area? I'm trying to remember now. You're catching me off guard. But Muscle Shoals is a studio down there, and they had their own sort of in-house musicians, maybe similar to their version of the Wrecking Crew. That uh, So uh, when you booked the studio, you could also book the band. Uh, infamously for us, you know, we grew up on Bob Seger. Bob Seger always in the early days, uh, even right up to the end, really use the Muscle Shoals rhythm section regularly. And so mm. those those records that were often billed as Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band, if you dig into them, you would see that half the album is often Muscle Shoals and the other half would be the guys that we would know, Alto Reed and in uh, those guys. So yeah. he was a regular user of them. And that was, I think that came up with, uh, with Chris Christian too. I think he mentioned use of the Muscle Shoals guys. So that would be obviously, I guess, their in-house horn section to answer the question. Yep. Yep. But then this album, so you found it on vinyl. Yep. This guy's such a buried treasure, but such a hero among the Yacht Rock faithful. It's not on Spotify. No. Um, I couldn't even find the album on YouTube Music, you know, which is supposedly their version of Spotify. Yeah, and I think I looked on Apple Music. You couldn't find remember. it? I don't think it was there either, right? If if you go to YouTube, there's no official. Really? Um, oh, wow. Right. There's um, West Coast 99, which is a, a must-follow on YouTube because they go and they find all this stuff and, and rip things on. Uh, but so it's a, I think it's a 10-track album. Three of them are blocked, including <laughs> the hit. So It's so weird. The licensing on it is... 
these things are so weird when you find that. I mean, it's a Columbia Records release. I don't understand right. how it would not be available. But you get the two demo things on Spotify. The, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's crazy. So it's really hard to find. It's really hard to enjoy um, because, like, I'm trying to run this playlist on YouTube and three of the songs are blocked. You know, it's like, so then I got to go find the horrible uh, vinyl rip that somebody snuck on and will probably only last a week. But it's, it's, what do you think of the album? So now that you have it, I think it's fantastic. I think it's, if we include, as we were saying, the Robbie Dupree, Chris Christian, Dane Donahue soft rock sound as part of Yacht Rock, which apparently they do because I would say that uh, Going Down is very much uh, a good example of what the whole album sounds like. They gave that a 76.25. I, I would say the whole album is Yachty and the whole album is great. Top to bottom, every song. It's one of those that I remember the first time I listened to it. I got three songs in and I thought, okay, well, that's probably it. It's going to start to fade after this. And that's mm-hmm. song four. No, that's pretty great too. It's going to fade now on song five, right? It's not going to be so good. Well, <laughs> so I made it through the whole record saying every song is top notch. And I think when I first got it, I probably listened to it four or five times within the first week. Just, it was constantly in rotation. Yeah. So you mentioned song five. Let's play a little more of the record. So song five on the first side is a tune called Gotta Have More Love, co-written by a Jeff Silbar. Do you know who Jeff Silbar is? I bet you would tell me. He is a songwriter who is most famous for writing The Wind Beneath My Wings. No way. <laughs> yes. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's wow. hear a little of the uh, the hook and the chorus. And then when we come back, I'm going to have one more request. Okay. good tune another good taste very consistent with the rest of the album but um again this has to be dan huff let's hear a little bit of the solo that ends in a wire choir flourish flourish starting at 208 Does that sound like Dan Huff to you? Oh, man. I know. And it's nice and wide. The stereo of it, it's beautiful. Yeah. Now, are you are you trying to keep secret who actually recorded that song first? Or is this- no. Oh, okay. Well, that was one song that was originally recorded on the Flying the Flag album by Climax Blues Band. So they actually did it first, 1980, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe we need to drop in a little bit of that version. Let's hear what that sounds like. Sounds pretty different to me. I know it does. It's funny when I remember when I heard the first the first time I heard the uh, Greg Gidry version. I could have sworn I had heard that before, especially the deeper than the night part. I thought, yeah. man, and I'm not confusing it with the Olivia Newton John song, um, but I swear that that there was some familiarity on that song for me. 
Yep. And I think why it has to sound different is because Climax Blues Band had to find a way to accommodate their octave uh, vocal patterns. Right. So yes. yeah, some guy's super low and some guy's super high, which we talked about with Derek Holt. Yeah, that low octave thing. We did. Yeah. yeah. So here's just a taste. I mentioned uh, Silbar. Um, some of the people you didn't mention with whom uh, he's worked or written for or collaborated with some of these names. So you mentioned Climax Blues Band, uh, right. Robbie Dupree, who came up uh, a couple episodes ago. Yeah, back uh, near the end of last season, you brought up uh, Are You Ready for Love? Yeah, which was written by another Gidry, he and Cindy. Oh, Gidry. okay. So there's that name. Um, Exile. Yes, that would be, uh, what was that song? That was uh, You're Good For Me. Yep. And I actually wrote that down. That is a 84 on the Yatsky scale, the Exile version. Woof. Yeah. yeah. Um, Bill LeBounty. Uh, we know him. He's worked yeah. with Steve Kipner. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned Orleans before, Elta Barge, Charlie Daniels, uh, James Ingram, Bob Weir of the Grateful Dead. Uh, as uh, I think this was Wikipedia mentioned, Bill Champlain. <laughs> Bill Champlain. And I, wonder Butch, they, I wonder if they know each other. Yeah, exactly. Butch Trucks. So, I mean, again, obscure as obscure can get, but prolific as prolific can get. Man, I, you know, I had you, you did better digging than I did. You have a much more comprehensive list than me, but uh, that I was <laughs> looking at half of that and I was floored that I didn't know you know, who he was before. So this is the essence of discovery of Yacht Rock. Yeah. You know, you do realize that there's these people that you never heard of and how important they are to the other music that you have heard of. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm thinking of like Randy Goodrum, who I don't know if I knew that name before. There's a perfect example. Yeah. When you think of Randy Goodrum and people would say who, and then right. you say Toto, I'll be over you. And like, oh, I love that song. Well, well you could keep going on and on <laughs> yeah. all the songs. I know. I didn't mention, by the way, speaking of Gidry's, I didn't mention Randy K. Gidry. Did I before? He's on this over the line album. There's wow. Gidry's everywhere. What about which, uh, Ron? Or was it Ron Gidry, the <laughs> New York Yankees pitcher? Yeah, no, I don't know if he pitched in or not. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Let's go back to Over the Line real quick, because the track Over the Line is interesting. Uh, one is because we're going to hear a little David Sanborn on here. Um, right. But two, it was written by, speaking of keeping it in the family, co-written by Troy Seals. Yes. It, now, I have say well, I recognize the name Seals. You tell me. Is he related to Dan? And uh... Yeah, he's a member of the prominent Seals family. That includes wow. Jim and Dan Seals. Another Seals. I've never heard of this guy. Wow, I had not either. Um, but his compositions have been recorded by artists such as Randy Travis, Conway Twitty, obviously he's a country dude, Hank yep. Williams Jr., Elvis Presley, Roy Orbison, and Jerry Lee Lewis. So uh, he's been around himself. Dang. So let's hear a little over the line. Uh, I don't think there's any country twang in this, but you're going to get uh, a heavy sampling of David Sanders. Yeah, and even Sanborn, in some ways, doesn't sound like Sanborn there. It's a little more uh, smooth and lyrical than what I would expect. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I thought it was something different. I almost felt like it was somebody trying to be David Sanborn. Yes, you yeah, know? That, that's kind of what I thought. If you had played that for me, I would have guessed somebody trying to sound like Sanborn. Like, he couldn't get Sanborn, but he got somebody and said, kind of, can you do the Sanborn tone? 
because it sounds like the tone, it just doesn't sound like the stylings of Sanborn. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, do you want to hear, um, just what, and feel free to interrupt this train of thought, but I just sure. wanted to hear another little sampling. Let's hear the version that they did of Robbie Dupree's Are You Ready for Love? Again, written with Cinder, uh, sister Cindy, not Sandy, Cindy. Are you ready for love? And that one is pretty close to uh, Robbie Dupree's version. I thought I so say. as well. Yep. Um, it's just a, maybe more of a question of whose voice you prefer. I don't know if we want to do a uh, Who Wore It Best on that someday. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, we should do another Who Wore It Best. Yeah, uh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. maybe. Um, and then last thing, just off this particular record that I think bears mentioning is, because you said he's in the Dane Donahue maybe vein of Yacht Rock. Yeah, do you think so? Do you agree? Well, yeah, I do agree. And then you get to the last song on this album and he rips out a banger um called Darling It's You and it reminds me a bit of Tracy because it's funkier than the rest. Darling Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was the one that kind of stood out as being a little bit different on this record for me, hence the, probably the reason they put it at the end. Mm-hmm. But that, yeah, yep. that's, that's a good comparison. I could see that. The minute it came on, I'm like, mm, that sounds like Tracy. I mean, it's not as funky, but it's kind of, like you said, a departure. You know, in general, when I was kind of taking a 30,000-foot view of the album, um, maybe I was being talked into it because of now what we know about Greg and how he passed. So I look at the cover and you know what they always say that you can see it in the eyes. I swear Mm -hmm. when I, I, that the eyes look troubled, you know, when I listen to the album, there is a, why would I say it? There's a mysteriousness about the sound of it. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's, that's the best way. Kind of like, uh, maybe not quite as off as say Pink Floyd, maybe like an Alan Parsons sort of thing where it's just a little bit mysterious, you know? Yeah. Yep. It's definitely worth a, uh, if you can find it on vinyl, it's worth having. I got to go out and find it because I just can't live without, I think I've decided I can't live without it, but you're going to send me the rip. Yep. But, I'll send you yeah. the rip, but the, okay. yeah, if you can find a vinyl copy, I don't think I paid a ton for it. I don't know how many of these record store guys know who Greg Guidry is and think, oh, this is a lost Yacht Rock masterpiece. I'm like, eh, yeah. whatever, I don't know who this guy is. Five bucks, whatever. <laughs> or worse, scour yeah. the dollar bins. It's amazing yeah. what I found. Um, and then, so after this, but which we won't go into all great detail, but there's this Heart to Heart, which you mentioned, right. which from what I uh, gather, I have here, it's a U.S. release of previously unavailable songs and demos recorded throughout the 80s, including some songs on another compilation, Private Session, which I think came out in 2000 the demo years which you mentioned 2014 that has 19 songs on it sold out was something that he sort of came out of retirement i think in 2000 that was sort of an official release you know maybe not a label release but yes that was an i think it was a japanese label i think okay so yeah yeah 
Yeah, um, which we'll come back to. But you mentioned, so going back to Heart to Heart real quick, I wanted to show the sonic difference that I mentioned before so people can hear it. So if you listen to a heart a song that I already recommended and we covered a little bit, let's listen to the beginning of Heart to Heart. And then now let's go to like, I think four or five songs later. So this is proof that it's not an album. Listen to how much the sound changes when you get to looking for a heartache. Yeah, there's no question that um, heart to heart sounds like almost could have been taken off of over the line, but uh, looking for a heartache, suddenly everything just sounds a little, lack of a better word, cheaper. That's what I mean. It doesn't have that. Like we dug into the mix. We just brought faders up, got rough levels and sent it home for people to kind of chew on for a little bit. So it sounds unmixed. It does. Yeah. I really like the sound of that heart to heart though. You know, we pointed out that little ear candy where it cuts, you know, in the all of the faders drop off at the one point, but yeah, there was an ongoing bit in the uh, one of the yacht rock groups that uh, everybody posting whatever song they could find called Heart to Heart. It was a heart to heart uh, battle, <laughs> <laughs> and that one came up for sure. Well, yeah, for sure. So, I mentioned all these other records. So, in 2000, this is kind of where we're sort of getting to the near the end of the story here. So, 2000. It sounds to me like he sort of wants to unretire. I'm just reading through the lines of what I found online. And yeah. a Japanese label's willing to pick up a new, um, this could be some songs that he had saved. But I want to listen to uh, the very first song on the record because it's 2000. It sounds like it's recorded in 2000. But tell me if it doesn't feel just a little bit still yachty. One Whoa, now that is an entirely different sound. I'm in, in full disclosure, I did not go and dig that out. So that was brand new to me right there in that moment. Yeah. The sound is completely, like I said, it sounds like it's recorded 2000, but the way he writes the song and approaches the melody still feels like there's still some old Greg Guidry in there. You know yeah, what I mean? Even when that chorus hits, I can hear the vocal, the way he stacks the vocals and the way that they're mixed, the way they're panned and all that stuff sounds exactly like 1982, but everything else around it is definitely 2000. And so here's where there's some blanks to be filled in. And mm-hmm. so this is, I know nothing other than what I'm, I'm just connecting dots on my own. So this is 2000, right? Right. Trying to revive a music career, a, a dormant music career, July 28th, 2003. The ashes of a corpse are found in a burnt down garage in his home. Um, and it's identified as Greg Guidry. The speculation is, and I think it may have even been ruled a suicide. It has been ruled that, yeah. Which, what a way to go, man. Burn yourself to death. That's not Yachty at all. (laughs) No, it is fire. So uh, make your uh, keeping the fire jokes too literal to to yourself. Um, um, But you mentioned those eyes. So did did you know how he died when you first sort of saw that emptiness in his eyes? No. No, no, unfortunately, that's why I said I, I may be being tainted by what I know now. 
but it's almost like looking at the eyes, going back to the Pink Floyd uh, thing, almost like looking at the eyes of Sid Barrett, you know, that yeah, uh, just like there's something behind them that just, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Well, so here's my recommendation that I'll leave people with. A is get your hands on a copy of the Over the Line LP somewhere, somehow. Um, and then as you're exploring, I would say explore the whole catalog because there's nuggets uh, to be found everywhere, I think. Um, there's a song called Fool for You, which puts him automatically in Yacht right. Rock yeah. lore forever uh, off the demo years. And um, there's, like I said, that heart to heart has got, got its moments. So it's yeah. just, go ahead. Well, if that first album, Over the Line, though, we've had this ongoing discussion and it comes up every now and again. What are the albums that are perfectly yachty, top to bottom? If Again, going back to what I said before, if we include his sound as being yachty, then this whole album, I would say top to bottom, it's a perfect 10. Very good. Agreed. All right. Um, anything else or should we move on to a lightning round? I think it's time for the lightning round. So, for my Found at Sea, I'm going to go with the aforementioned song, which we didn't clip, but the Exile version of uh, You're Good For Me, because I, that's a song that I'm like, oh my God, I, that is super yachty, but I bet it's off the map because it's Exile, you know, wades into country stylings. And then I go look it up on Yasky, and I'm like, oh dang, it's yeah. yachty as H. So anyway, let's hear a little bit of uh, You're Good For Me, which is a 1980 banger. I'm at the point of no return and ooh, I just can't stop. Darling, you're good for me. You're good for me. I always want to stay around you. Well, darling, you're good for me. You're good for me. I never want to be without you. Yeah, yeah I remember the first time I heard that song, I knew going in that it was considered Yachty Exile, and I hear the beginning, and there's that snappy, almost Jim Messina-sounding guitar, and I'm kind of thinking, hmm, really? And then all of a sudden, the synth kicks in, and it's full-on doobie bounce approach on the synth. I'm like, oh, man, no wonder this got an 84. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right, what do you have for Found at Sea? All right, Found at Sea, just to recap, are the things that maybe we have found, maybe posted by other people online somewhere. And this was... Posted in, uh, I think it was Yacht Rock Nation. And I had never known, as you and I discussed over the Christmas break, that Lee Rittenauer continued with what we would call the Rit style, the Rit 1, Rit 2, which was mostly a pop record, few instrumentals, but mostly pop songs, vocal heavy, um, not a lot of just open guitar soloing. So, and that's where the Eric Tag thing comes from. Well, yeah. after Rit 2, I kind of thought that he'd gone back to breaking out the nylon string guitar and going back to the uh, smooth jazzy sound. But So somebody posted this song. It's from an album called Banded Together. It's 1984. And boy, does it sound like 1984. This album is very heavy synth, very heavy drum machine. And I think at this point, Rittenauer is starting his exploration of the guitar synth and using a guitar as a MIDI controller. So it takes on very much uh, maybe uh, similar to Michael Cimbello's Maniac kind of sound. So the song that they posted originally was a song called Sunset Drivers. And so I went and wanted to listen to that, hear what that sounded like, dug in deeper to the album. And the one that I found 
is uh, this one that's called Be Good to Me. So baby, be good to me. That to me sounds like a Toto track. It's got lots of mid-tempo power ballad. Interestingly, it was written by Ross Vanelli, as in Gino Vanelli's brother. Oh, and Ross was also Gino's sort of big-time producer, especially when he got into the '80s, because Ross is a keyboard player in electronics extraordinaire. So we got a cross between the Vanellis and Lee Rittenauer right there. It, we're keeping it in the family today. It's, we should have called this episode All in the Family. Maybe. the Seals and the Gidries. All right, cool. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. <laughs> <laughs> the songs that made the hip parade. Right, right. Songs that made the hip parade. All right. All right. Anyway, let's move on to the buried uh, buried treasure. I almost said buried at sea, <laughs> which maybe. Uh, I sent you this one. Often people that like the R&B side of the boat will flirt with where does Cool and the Gang fit in. And the one that always comes up is, of course, Too Hot, which got rated 54.75. Yes. But I was listening to a Cool and the Gang record, and this song kind of hit me. This is from 1982, and I thought, this one really flirts with getting close to that yacht sound. Maybe not quite there, but there's a lot of the elements in this one. So this is from 1982. The album is called As One, and this song... It's coincidentally called as one. Through the years we grew together, life has brought us pain and pleasure. Trying together. Now that life is so much brighter, let us take the next step higher. So you sent me that one, yeah. and I'm listening to it. First of all, thinking, all right, this is going to be so close to the, being seaworthy. And as I'm listening to it, I'm like, all right, it's got that groove. There's, it needs one more thing. Yeah. So I made this discovery. Yeah. I, here's, okay. You know how we always talk about how if it gets too far to be in R&B, it's not Yacht Rock anymore? Yes. It, and on the other end, if it gets to be too rocking and it doesn't have enough sort of groove, then it's it's not it's just rock and it's not yacht rock anymore. Right. I figured out because I'm sitting there listening to As One, and I'm like, you know what would save this song if Jay Graydon comes in and, and just pulls off a ripper, and now it becomes R and B mixed with rock, and then it's yep. yacht rock. So if you're too far to the R and B side, you need a Lukather or a Graydon or a Larry Carlton to rescue it. If you're too far on the rock side, you need a David Sanborn, Tom Scott, or Ernie Watts to rescue it back onto the boat. So that's how you do it. He's mm, got a method. I like yes, it. Yes, I think there's madness in it, I'm too. down with that, yeah. All right, Buried Treasure. I could not do an episode on Greg Guidry, the human buried treasure, without um, – he literally is buried, too um, – without – referencing another one of his tunes. So here's the second one off that same album we've been talking about over the line. This is giving it up, not to be confused with living it up, but it's <laughs> got the same vibe. It's also got a killer wire choir solo and a key change. Let's hear it. Giving it up. I just can't go on this 
could have picked any of them. They're all buried and they're all treasures. <laughs> exactly. That's a good pick. That's a really exactly. good pick. Yep. Love that. All right. So, off the map. Right. Let me uh, pull up my off the map note here. Okay. So, this is a tune. Um, very much off the map. Like, when you first identified what off the map was, decidedly not yacht at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. But it's just, there's something smooth about this tune. And I don't remember it really, or the artist. Um, but somehow it came across my desk and I'm like, dang, that's nice off the map. This is an artist called Steve Forbert or Forbay. Do you know? Uh, I don't know, but I know the, the artist. Yeah. So the album is Jack Rabbit Slim, 1979. Yep. So right in the pocket of the years. Here's Romeo's tune. Meet me in the middle of the day. Let me hear you say everything's okay. Bring me southern kisses from your room. Meet me in the middle of the night Let me hear you say everything's alright Let me smell the moon in your perfume Oh, gods and years will rise and fall And there's always something more So again, not Yacht Rock, but I could see uh, it's got a, uh, a laid-back nature Where that kind of fits in I actually see people post that one So I think that people, that might be comfy You know, okay. commonly mistaken for Yacht Yacht right, Rock, people. Yeah, yeah. yeah, comfy <laughs> yeah, we there there's an episode idea right there. Right, comfy. Com- comfy and cozy. All right. And what have you? My off the map. So off the map can also be something where it uh, again, it's not yacht, but I don't know that this would fit on a yacht rock playlist as much as it's got uh, a lot of the personnel. Hmm. This is Don Henley's New York Minute. And yacht. I know. Written by Henley and Korchmar uh, from 1989, so it's outside of the uh, the era, of course. But it's got Jay Winding on keys, mm-hmm. David Page on piano and did the string arrangement. Pino Palladino does the fretless bass. Jeff Percaro is the drummer. Really? I never knew uh, that. Backup vocals, I did not know this. The backup vocals are done by Take Six, you know, the acapella yeah. R&B jazz thing. That is kind of surprising to me. So my off the map is going to be Don Henley's New York Minute. I love that tune. I, I know it's not Yachty, but I'm surprised it's got all that personnel, to be honest. It's surprising how long that song is. Man, the lyrics. You want to talk about lyrics? I didn't even pick that with this in mind, but the lyrics are pretty dark or kind of about... On point. Suicidal. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. that is purely coincidental that I picked that one, but... Hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, as the song says, everything could change in a New York minute. Ahoy, ploy! Ahoy, ploy! 